Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. How are you, brother? We were uh, we're back at it. We're doing an email episode. We're going to do a little bit of debrief because we don't, we don't have time to do a super deep dive, but we've got... No. We uh, And we can save a, things a debrief for a debrief episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but uh, we've got some good emails, some <clears throat> some we've saved for, for this. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we just answer your question real quick like on email because it's not necessarily like a, a topic um but i saved one that's really short that i thought uh people would want to just more than one person would want to know the answer to so that one we'll get to but uh everything's going good in the new year for you yeah the lizard business is uh <laughs> 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 those of you who don't listen to locker room check is uh Breeding lizards, for yeah, legit, breed lizards. Like, yeah. So, but specifically geckos, right? You know, yeah, crested geckos. So, yeah. doing that. And strangely enough, you're the second person I know who does that. So, I just like I like weird, creepy, crawly things, and I like plug, I like lizards and plug yourself because oh uh, god, slabside gecko, <laughs> slabside gecko on Instagram. Um. Uh, it's strictly business. It's strictly animals. It's strictly just geckos. There is no politics or anything like that. So if you're looking for something to follow that stays out of any type of limelight or stays real low profile and just is strictly good feeling, good vibes, good thoughts of animals, uh, of little that's lizards. where you should go. Yeah. And then you can also get a companion, you know, maybe uh, a service, a service, a service gecko. Sure. Yeah. So maybe I'll start selling those. Um, but, uh, do you have the ones that um, yeah. can smell when your diabetes medication when you take it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do, so I have a bunch of those, and then I've also been I've also been hand training, um, narcotics detection geckos for police departments. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and, and uh, overdoses. Right. So <laughs> if if you if you do drugs and you get one of these geckos, and you're you're wearing it, um, and you overdose, it'll crawl inside of your mouth and shit, waking you up. Yeah, the ones that can no, cool. minister Narcan are extra. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the poop is the Narcan, right? It, there's a special they, properties I breed special into. Special properties, it. yes. Chuck yeah, has, has developed yeah. a Narcan shitting gecko. So I feed Narcan to the roaches that I breed, and then the the right. roaches it builds up in their geckos. system. Sure, right, right, right. So it's just uh, you know, a hybridized Narcan gecko now. It's funny. Um, we went through Narcan training recently because I, I had. I didn't carry Narcan when I was on the street. Um, did they really? issue you guys? It, yeah, they, yeah, they had it. issued it. it. Um, oh, that's it right. twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was scary. I've seen. I saw it administered, but at that point, it was like you had to have you had to have be you know call the paramedics out, and they would stick a injection in their neck. And I oh. I watched a guy come back from sure, death. Sure. Um, you know, uh, but you know, had it to works. go to Narcan train. Apparently, you can just give narcan to somebody willy-nilly it will not hurt them so if you think that somebody is experiencing uh an opioid overdose and you're not sure and you're like oh my god what do i do i'm not sure if i should do this and you have narcan just go ahead and administer it it's not gonna hurt them 
It's not going to do anything. It's, you know, it's like giving aspirin. And you can uh, get it at pharmacies now. Yeah, you can get it. Naloxone. Mm-hmm. Naloxone. So mm-hmm. um, if, you've, if you've got like elderly family members or dependent adults, if you've got, um, you know, anybody in your family that has to take opioids as part of an illness or an injury, um, I know, I personally know a police officer who accidentally overdosed on prescription medication that he was taking for an on-duty injury and he, he, died. he died so no, i have one the same yeah friend of mine yeah yeah and it was it's it can happen to it not all overdose deaths are um recreational drug users uh, that being said i'll say this man when when i was growing up like i remember talking about drugs with you know dare officers or talking about drugs with my parents or my grandparents and granted it was the 80s and 90s early 90s so there was a lot of like bad information like you know lsd gets stored in your spinal fluid and <laughs> you can yeah i've up, always you know heard that um but uh you know one of the things that they always said was that you got to watch out for drugs you buy on the street. One of the most dangerous things about street drugs is you never know what's being put in them. You never know what you're getting. Uh, you know, you, you buy crystal meth um, could have all kinds of shit in it. I remember uh, hearing about tweakers that were making crystal meth out of cough syrup because the cough syrup had the pseudoephedrine in it. So they were well, just at least it clears up your sniffles. Yeah. Yeah. So they were using this the pseudoephedrine out of the cough syrup, but they weren't extracting the pseudoephedrine. They were just pouring the cough syrup in as the ingredient. Well, cough syrup has more than pseudoephedrine in it, or at the time, it you know, it, it, when it had pseudoephedrine, it ha- also had uh, dextromethorphan and acetaminophen and all these other yeah, You have no fucking, fucking idea what's going to happen to those chemicals when you put them through the meth cooking process because you're not a chemist, you idiot. You're a tweaker. And so then you get this crystallized substance at the end and you're like, yeah, this is crystal meth. No, motherfucker. It is some unknown shit that may have crystal meth in it. It's crystallized Drino. Yeah. I've seen people stop breathing off of, uh, off of, you know, those, um, over the counter meds with, uh, dextromorphin in it. And, and it slows down your breathing if you take too much and when you overdose on it and it slows down your breathing and it'll actually fucking, you'll stop breathing and it kills you. Um, so when you're taking that nasty yeah put that into some crystal meth drink that Mm -hmm. you go up you come down you die crash yeah going up and coming down is called crashing (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, the the dextromethorphan they called it uh uh, roboing robitussin you chug robitussin and you get high as f because the shit's like hallucinogenic at large quantities it is yeah and he took that out of that and mm-hmm. so there was no more Tussin and there was no more Robo Tussin or, or uh, doing the Robo, whatever the fuck we yeah. were, they were calling it, like Tussin. Robo-ing. To- tussin, oh, yeah. Robo-ing, whatever. In our era, it was Robo-ing. Your era, it was probably Tussin. That was weird. Tussin, they, tussin. they took it out. Well, no, they took it out of it and you couldn't buy it. So people were like, but hey, I found some pills that still have it in it. And oh, it yeah. was what called Corsetin Cough and Cold. Corsetin Cough and Cold. That's right. And C-C-C, it was the C-C. high blood pressure one, the little red pills for high blood triple pressure. Triple C. Yep. And um, they called them triple C's or crazy eights. Because yep. you only had to take a tray, which was eight, and you tripped balls for the first time. And then you started taking more and more and more. I watched someone one night at a party take like 30 fucking trays. 
And he was like, I'm going to break the world record. And I'm like, you're a oh fucking God, idiot. Yeah. You're going to die. And we ended up doing CPR on him. So yep. <laughs> all that lived, is to say. <laughs> and he never went to the hospital, but he lived. But we showed for fingers in his throat and he puked. And yeah. I didn't do any of it. I watched because I was like, y'all are dumb. But yeah. so when I say we, I was still just there get, watching. You can, st- I believe you could still get stuff with DXM, as they call it, dextromethorphan in it. Um, I'm not going to so. say where or what you guys can do your own research. It's actually a really good cough suppressant, but at the, the point at which you have stuff like mucinex, you know, uh, the Sudafed, I know this is like, it's cold and flu. Season, I just so got some course. Medicine. Oh, did you? I did. And it worked okay. Um, Cause I was like, Oh, you know, I remember this one kid. He was like, he tried it in high school and he was like, actually, if, if you actually use it for what it's worth, it's very good. And it's probably the best thing out there. And I have high blood pressure. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna get the high blood pressure meds or the high blood pressure one. Virginia. And I was like, cool. So I tried it and it worked all right. And um, it didn't increase my blood pressure, but I was taking that with blood pressure medication. Mm-hmm. Bucked me up. Yeah, I'll bet. I don't know why. Blood pressure that medication. Alcohol. Really? Yeah. Well, there, that, you know, there we go. <laughs> Thin your blood out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, I'll, I'll say this though. The Sudafed that still has the good shit in it. That's the only one to buy. The every, everything else is crap. The only the yeah. the pseudoephedrine still really works. You just gotta, you know, all the Smurf and tweakers killed it for the rest of us. Well, let's get to uh, let's get to some of our, our emails, and then we'll chat about uh, a couple of stories that are in the news, or one of them we posted on Instagram. One of them we haven't posted about because <laughs> it's everybody else has posted about it. We don't need the to. weird thing is is that there's been things like that that have happened on my agency. That oh my is, god. It's so, like everybody's making make a big deal about it. Like, holy shit, this happened. And I'm like, it's not news. What? It's fucking Thursday. Like it, that shit happens all the time. I've seen it happen. I've seen, I've seen people get fired for it. I've seen, oh my God. The, the, anyway, we'll get to it. Uh, I've seen it at my right. station. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So this is the easy one. This is, this actually is kind of a locker room question, but I figured I'd answer it here since we're doing emails. Uh, Fred emailed and says, been looking at you guys locker room episodes and I like the song at the end. I was wondering what it's called and who the artist is. So the artist is called so abused and the song is actually called so abused. Um, And the song is one of the ones we have rights to because I played guitar on it and produced it back in the, uh, late 90s so <laughs> before i was a cop i i'm still a musician but i was trying to be a professional musician and i was in a band and one of the songs we recorded was that one uh and the new intro song to the locker room is also from a different band that i record and produced with so uh, i've told other people that have asked this if you want a copy of it email me and i'll see if i can send you a copy of it because i do not think that there are copies that still exist like on itunes or anything like we we had cds that we handed out at gigs you know that was how old we are <laughs> so, well if it was prior to the itunes era or the, like the new era of streaming it's never going to be up there yeah well somebody would have to up i would have to upload it and right but gonna, so napster napster was uh, <laughs> napster was still a thing when we were playing out so limeware yeah uh okay chuck you have one i think yeah so this comes from uh from william um he goes, I want to join the, the military. I've been thinking about the Navy because my great grandpa was in the Navy in World War II, but I really want to be in the action. So I was thinking Army. I just don't want to get stuck on a boat doing paperwork or like being a mechanic. I don't want to join the military and just do a regular job. So I was just wondering what you guys would recommend. 
first of all, let me just debunk something for you real quick. Mm-hmm. You could still go to the army and have a regular fucking job. It's all about how you work that shit when you're going through the recruiter um, and not getting screwed and not allowing yourself to get screwed because they will throw a bunch of stuff at you, confuse the mm-hmm. fuck out of you and put you in whatever they need numbers on. If so, you know somebody in the army, take them with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and just because you're like, well, I'm going to join the army. I'm going to be in the thick of it. No, that doesn't. That's not necessarily the case. We have to be in an active war for you to actually go and do something. Right. It's probably going to be mostly stateside training and you're going to do a lot of stuff. I was in the Marine Corps, so I'm always going to push the Marine Corps. I think the Marine Corps is the best. Um, you have the chance to go on boat on Muse, and you won't be doing a regular job, and you'll be going to port to port to port, especially in times of peacetime, which technically we are in. Unless you want to go to Ukraine and sit there, or, or in Poland or whatever, um, but that, that's still even <laughs> that's still even like you you might not be able to yeah. even do that in the army. Um, and you could go to the army, and if you really want to see the the shit, like you could go and join, you know, eleven Bravos, which are the infantry and stuff like that, and you know, um, go you know airborne and shit like that. But you can also do it in the Marine Corps. Okay, you can go and you can join infantry in the Marine Corps and do a lot of cool shit. But you also have the ability to go on ship and do Muse and do stuff like that, and you do a bunch of cool training at a bunch of different spots. I would honestly say you you probably have more variety in where you want to go in in the Marine Corps, um, and because you have the ability to go on ship, but you also have the ability to deploy other places without a ship and just an airplane. Um, it kind of gives you variety and it, it still allows you to do things in peacetime and send you places. So I think you have a lot to think about. Um, and I mean, that's great. You want to go and serve? I say, do it. I say, do it before you change your mind. Um, but, you know, I think you will get stuck in any job if you allow yourself to get screwed. That's a regular job. But it's also not a bad thing. Look, think about it. You go into the military and you will you go, oh, I don't want to have a regular job. Okay, well, think about what happens after the military, right? Say you go in there and you become an HVAC mechanic, right? Or an HVAC specialist, technician or whatever. So now you're working sure. on hot and cold um, heaters and, and air conditioners and things like that. And then you come out and you've learned a skill, right? A technical skill. You can take that and transfer it straight over into the civilian world and go get hired by a major company working as an electrician on um, HVAC units with right. air conditioning and heating. And that pays big bucks in a lot of areas. You could go work, you know, you work comps, you go, you program radios and set up radio yeah. towers. And what I have a friend of mine, of uh, cool he's been on this podcast. He, he did that. Um, you know, his bit favorite mantra is no comms, no battle. And uh, he now is a private contractor who works for the military, makes a lot more money going out and doing oh. trainings and, and oh, yeah. setting up comm systems and you can work for private contractors. You can work for all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have another friend of mine who went into law enforcement and he <laughs> programs all of the communications for the Los Angeles police department. Um, you know, oh, he's wow. out there with SWAT. He's out there. He's up in the helo. He's out at different stations, you know, um, because he has that skill. So don't, think you know oh i have to go infantry well, let me tell you something if you go infantry in peacetime be prepared to do all the jobs that non-skilled workers have to do a lot of work because, in the party bud right so skilled labor <laughs> right skilled labor comms hvac you know there's there's a lot of skilled labor where they teach you a skill other than you know run height fight you know he's up he sees me i'm down shoot 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 you know marksmanship like Infantry does a lot of cool shit when there's a war to fight. When there's not a war to fight, 
infantry are the guys with a lot of time on their hands. And let me tell you something in the military, when you have a lot of time on your hands, Not good. you got time to lean, you got time to clean and they'll hand you a broom. They'll hand you a scraper. A they'll hand you a toilet brush. They'll and hand you. There's only so much training you can do realistically. Right. Sure. And I've done a lot of training. <laughs> I've done yeah. a lot of training. It gets fucking yeah. old real fucking quick. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. you come back and then like, hey, we got to clean. And you yep. get fucking clean. Like, oh, hey, we're not really doing much. We don't have anything coming up. Hey, why don't you take your unit and why don't you go over here and why don't you do all this shit? You're like, but yeah. that's not our job. Yeah, I don't care. It is now. You're going to fucking do it. And you do it. Yeah, because you were say, ordered to. <laughs> right. Pick a fucking job, right? Yeah, figure be, out what you want to do. Right. right? That's, it can that's be beneficial the on the inside and the outside. Mm-hmm. Right. And then while you're in, make sure you get a clearance, at least a secret clearance. You probably won't get top secret unless you're working like special forces or on in as a as a, a calm dude and you're working with cryptology and things like that. You might get a you might get a top secret clearance. But try to find a job where you can get a clearance in. Because that will be more beneficial on the outside than probably anything else. Because then that allows you to go and work on government installations and be contracted Mm -hmm. out to go work at these major aerospace companies, government contracting companies. And aerospace, you make a lot of fucking money and they're hiring vets on the way out. So you got to think about two steps or 10 steps ahead of you. What's going to benefit me when I get out? These are all the things I wish I would have been told prior. You know, and I probably was dumb, hard headed kid. Right. So don't let that be you. Do yeah, things and, that will benefit you when you get out. And each branch, you know, if you're if you're a more cerebral thinking person, math, you know, is your strong suit. You know, you 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 like maybe the Air Force is your gig, right? Um, right. If if you want to join the Space Force, you have to do it through the Air Force. Go to see an Air Force recruiter. You gotta have Let's the name Guardian. <laughs> uh, if you if you want to be out and travel and see the world fucking navy bro like you're gonna you're gonna get on a ship and you're gonna hit the high seas and you're gonna go from port to port to port and you know you're gonna see the world a lot of the time Joe. um i've known when marine corps same thing <laughs> yeah yeah you can get skunked in the navy but you know get assigned to a ship and you'll probably see the world uh coast guard you ain't seeing shit you ain't you're gonna but you'll stay close to home you'll you know you can get stationed in seattle and those dudes have a lot of cool fucking jobs. They, they do keep have you a lot busy. of cool jobs. Yep. Like so, Coast Guard, you can do drug interdiction. Yes, in the United States. Yep, and you are basically doing deployments stateside because right. right. you're actually doing a fucking federal job. You're doing right. an actual federal like law enforcement officer's job. So you go out and patrol these these waterways, and you're looking to interdict people on dinghies and things like that, submarines. And let me tell you what. Yeah, we all give Coast Guard this shit. shit. Like, oh, you fucking, you're not real military, dude. I wish I went. We're because we're fucking jealous because they do some cool shit all the time. Yeah, yeah. All the fucking everybody saw. Everybody seen that fucking video of the Coast Guard dude banging on the hatch and fucking attacking that little mini sub. This is dope. I worked next to Coast Guard Mm -hmm. in Courthouse Bay in North Mm -hmm. Carolina. Mm -hmm. So we worked next to Coast Guard and uh, MARSOC, which is Marine Reconnaissance and uh, the Raiders. So the special right. forces. And so those three people we worked with or those two people we worked with third, including us. And then there's some engineers, whatever. They're just schools. Um, but we were so jealous all the fucking time of these Coast Guard 
Bubba's because they would go out and play on their dinghies. They'd play on their rib boats. They'd go out and have fun, come back, shooting the shit with their fucking seniors and all this mm-hmm. stuff, their senior NCOs. And everyone, because everyone's, they're all doing a, a, the same job on the boat. So it's like, it's a different camaraderie. Mm-hmm. some of the it's best different. chopper pilots, dude. They have some of the I'm best chopper you. pilots. Those those rescues at sea, like the deadliest catch and shit like that. That's yeah. all coasties. That's all coasties. Uh-huh. There's some bad big where the Jethawks, the Jayhawks. I think they're Jayhawks is the big coastie helicopter. The big orange ones is the Black Hawk. Their version is the Jayhawk rescue yeah. and chopper version. They they you know a lot of people give Coast Guard shit, but now that Space that Force is around, Coast Guard doesn't have to take as much shit because they're not the you know. I'm telling you, but if anyway. you want to see some shit. Coast and you want to, and there's no like war going on. Coast Guard's probably the way to go. And good and job, fun, yeah. And it's th- a lot of that drug interdiction stuff. You're not going to get to do National Guard sometimes does some drug interdiction stuff because they're tasked to operate domestically here at home. Um, and so they sometimes they'll go to the border and sometimes they'll do drug right. interdiction and stuff like that. But Coast Guard, you can get that as a job. Like your job is running these fast boats down off the coast of Florida, coming in from South America, coming in from Mexico. And you know what? It's not just drugs anymore. It's terrorism too. They're, you know, the pipeline for drugs can also uh, be a pipeline for terror. So I think, Uh I hope that answers your question because that's basically, what do you want to do? Figure out what you want to do and, and then pick a branch of the military based on the kind of person you are and what you, what you're looking to do. However, as Chuck said, think, forward think beyond the four or six or hey if you're going to make a career out of it you know 20 years you can go in at 18 retire at 38 with a pension and go get another career and retire at 58 from that after 20 years with a second pension and if you're you've got if i could do it yeah exactly and if i could do it over again i would have went coast guard to a fast boat crew yeah and i'd probably still be doing that fucking job to this day because it's something that is so cool so much fun you're a federal officer basically you have the you're you're basically an honorary like you're 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 a federal officer like an agent basically yeah. and you can place people under arrest you could take them and you just hand them over to the fucking feds yeah. or the government once you're done like one of the you few... go and you apprehend the these people put them in custody mm-hmm. and that, that's your job yeah it's one of the few times the military has a branch like coast guard and like we said national guard that can operate domestically because most times Unless you it's a martial unless law. it's martial law, the yeah. the military is not allowed to operate domestically, with the exception of certain jobs. So, right. All right, Joseph okay. uh, says, first off, I love listening to you guys and hearing the crazy stories life brings. Well, thank you. Uh, this podcast has encouraged me in my current career in the military and future career. I dream of pursuing law enforcement. I am 19 years old and currently in the Air Force with security forces. Well, there you go. That's a good start. And pursuing a bachelor's degree in Homeland Security, potentially going for a master's with it, and an associate in criminal justice from the Community College of the Air Force. Okay, so you're going for, uh, you have your AA, I'm assuming this means you have your AA, you're going for your bachelor's, and you're thinking about a master's. So there you go. Um, I've dedicated my life to pursue a future in law enforcement by not drinking or smoking underage, even watching what I say on social media and maintaining my physical fitness. All smart things. Boring, wow. but smart. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm not trying to have this come off highlighting my achievements or come off like a scumbag, LOL. I just want to say how much I dream of having a career in law enforcement. Since I was young, I wanted to apply for the United States Marshals. Ooh, 
That's that's an interesting one. We'll get into that um, and have a backup of New York State troopers. Yet recently, I've had a change of mind and considering local or state police with a huge shift in desires, considering for years it was um, U.S. Marshal Service. So he's thinking about, I guess, switching from the marshals. As much as I want to find fugitives and arrest high value criminals, I have the prestige of being and have the prestige of being a federal agent. I don't know how prestigious that is anymore, just for the record, but you know, we'll get into that. I want to write code three to a shooting, patrol the town, or even respond to a suicidal individual. I want to see people on their worst days of their life, as weird as that sounds. I have a couple of years to figure this out because my USAF contract goes a couple more years, but I feel like I hit a roadblock in my future. I'm just looking for advice from former cops on how to go about this. And if this is a normal thought process for somebody who wants to be an LEO, but find the right agency to apply for. Not sure if this is answerable, but wanted to write this email just in case it was. Appreciate all you guys do, Joseph. Okay, first of all, it's 100% answerable. Um, Everything you're doing is good, right? It sounds like. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I will caution you. Yeah, I will caution you not to be too academic because this job happens in the real world. It happens on the street. It happens around everyday people, and it requires a degree of common sense. It also requires a degree of street smart. Yeah, just because um, you're good in the books doesn't mean you'll be good yeah, on the streets. Right. So, so, well, I mean, we all, Chuck and I both can tell you, every cop that's been on the show can tell you, we all know supervisors who have gotten master's degrees, but are terrible fucking cops. Terrible cops. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't be supervisors. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't even be on the force. They're dumb. Now, there are a handful of those guys. Yeah. Um. So let's say this. Marshal service is fucking cool. Um, yes, because marshal service does one of the things that like I always said, if I could have been assigned to my dream team, narcotics was one of the most amazing things I ever worked. I loved it. That being said, we did some stuff where we assisted other teams that were manhunt teams, you know, looking for, uh, you know, fugitives looking for violent offenders. Um, mm-hmm. LAPD has an entire division at least Fugitive for the time being. <laughs> um, and then they, you know, like these people, you just go out and hunt bad guys. It's cool shit. That's what I wished that I could have done before I retired. Um, so Marshall Service has that. You can go local law enforcement and get the code three experience and get the the street smarts and, and learn the job from the street. And then apply for the marshal service. There's no reason you can't be a street cop for a couple of years with your eyes on developing the skills and the the street smarts and using those mentors on patrol and using those FTOs and using those partners that have experienced the salty veterans who know what the fuck they're doing. Use all that stuff to give you the street education that you're not going to get in college. Probably make you more marketable too, especially if you come mm-hmm. in with a degree, you have yeah. law enforcement experience for like anywhere from two to four years, plus a, you know, bachelor's or a master's. Yeah. That's going to make you more marketable to a federal agency. Yeah. And sure. the you have, I believe for federal agencies, you have to have a four-year degree. Well, this was, this is what it was for the CIA. I do not know necessarily <laughs> what it was. CIA. Yeah. I had somebody, I sat down and had lunch with somebody from the CIA during a terrorism liaison officer training that I went to uh, because it was our department's TLO. And, um, he was talking to me about how the CIA likes to recruit uh, narcotics cops because narcotics cops can put together 
street assets, informants, they can develop networks. Uh, and they're also good at, at, you know, putting together criminal uh, conspiracy groups and flow charts and hierarchical structures and figuring out who's who in the zoo. Well, figuring out those kinds of things in a narcotics investigation is literally almost a one-to-one transfer of skills over to terrorism because you've got to develop informants. You've got to learn to develop street assets. You've got to mm-hmm. learn to go undercover. You've got to learn to figure out hierarchical structures. you got to, you know, all those skills are transferable. So he told me that you have to be 35 and have a four-year degree to under 35, 35 or under and have four-year degree to apply. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm, I don't know if it's the same for the marshal service, but if I 35, you can, you can become a street guy. If you're 19 your Air Force contract runs out, I'm assuming somewhere around 21, 22. Um, when your contract runs out, you get hired. Understand this. It's going to take you a little time to get hired by a law enforcement agency. So mm-hmm. in this climate, though, you're a little bit lucky. When I was coming on, it, it and when Chuck was coming on, it was really hard. Now everybody's hurting. So you kind of can, if you've got a good background and you've you know come out of the military, you can get probably hired on in less than a year and be you know in the academy in less than a year um some agencies yeah. it might even be six months you know depending on how you know the size of the agency how fast they can put you through i have seen people literally get through a background in two weeks if the agency wants them bad enough i've seen people but, get hired before their background was even done or started and yeah. they said we'll finish in the academy if anything bad happens we'll just boot you yeah okay it's like, okay so um those are all good things that you can do so just remember you've got time you get out, get on an agency, spend four or five years, get your first hash mark, start applying federally. You'll have that degree. like, And you can even get your master's while you're working. You can get your bachelor's while you're working, right? You can get a job as a cop. If you don't already have your bachelor's by the time you leave the Air Force, you can get a cop job, finish your bachelor's, finish your master's, spend five years on the street, then start applying for federal agencies like the Marshal Service, which is dope yeah. as shit because, you know, catch fugitives and stuff like that um so your options are wide open um notice i didn't mention anything about state troopers i honestly having dealt with the california state agency i would never go the calif the state route in california but i um, think it's it's different, in, it's some different in a lot of other states right like in New a lot York of other states, states they have legit state police. They do well, they're like the top dogs, top jobs. Right. And that's the other thing too, is if you want to do, um, for example, uh, our local for Idaho kids that were murdered that we discussed on locker room, they called in the Idaho state patrol mm-hmm. because they have the best homicide unit in the state. And they're good at it. And that's what they do. They get called in by small police departments that don't have the resources that the Idaho state police does. State Patrol I would does. say in a lot of states, the, the the state police are more like feds than they are anything else. California yeah, is like fucking a state stupid FBI. and wonky. Yeah. California is not state police. It's Idaho Patrol. California right. had a state police that was very similar to other states' state police, but it went bankrupt because of poor management. Go figure. It's California. Yeah. They mm-hmm. went bankrupt. My dad was state police out here. And for a very long time, for about 20 years, and then it went up in smoke. Um, but even then, they weren't as prestigious as a lot of other state state police because in most of these other states, state police are like the top investigators. They're the top dogs yeah. when it comes to any types of investigations and 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 high profile things. And they do a lot of 
crossover with DEA marshals and task force like that through the state because they can go statewide. They're not Georgia has the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, which sounds, you know, like the FBI. Well, it's that's why, because they freaking they investigate crimes statewide and they're called in to be the investigators. So you got a lot of options there. So I hope that answers you. Chuck, what's the next one? Um, Well, real quick on that. He said that he was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go patrol first. Look, I've worked with a couple. I've worked with an FBI guy who I worked out with and stuff, and he never looked back. But he also got a cool job undercover with a gang task force right out of the academy. Boom. Mm-hmm. Came from Fletch or whatever the fuck. Went straight into some you know undercover unit in LA, and that was it. Second guy I spoke to was Ice. And this is when I was first coming on the job. And I was on the job for about a year and a half. And I was working, and we were doing this massive... Um, <clears throat> like multi-agency uh takedown for for narcotics and stuff like that and gangs so they brought in you know a bunch of people and ice was one because there was going to be a lot of gang members that were undocumented and illegals right so they were in there so i was talking to Wendy. he's really young i was like hey you're you're ice and he goes yeah and i go damn i'm like how old are you we were the same age he's like i've only been doing this for two years he's like i would much rather be a cop i'm like why the same thing you just said which uh, rung a bell in my ear was I want to run code three to a call. This shit's boring. Like, yeah, we get to go in and raids and do stuff like that, but then we go take them back to um, the, the lockup or whatever the fuck, right. the, you know, for ice. And Detention then we just sit there center. and we wait for another call to go round people up. And he's like, it's fucking boring. That's ice though. So maybe if you're thinking about ice, I would say, yeah, maybe go, don't do that <laughs> unless you just want to do that. And you kind of want it easy. But then I was thinking, I was like, fuck dude, I'm running and gunning 12 hours a fucking day. I'm smoked. I'm tired. My days off are sometimes only two days off or four days on. Or sometimes I get like a long stretch of days and I was, I was smoked and I'm like, fuck, I'd, I'd like to be doing that. I wouldn't mind some downtime and get up and gear up and, you know, tack up Mm -hmm. and go and round some people up on some search warrants and then come back and relax until the next one. I would like to do that. But his mindset was different because he hasn't done it before. And he wasn't smoked on it and he hadn't been burnt out on it. And I got burnt out real quick, you know, about a year and a half of running a gun. And you're like, fuck, I would have loved to do a specialized unit. Then you get used to it and you start doing it more. And you're like, all right, this is cool. It's fine. I like it. But um, so if you have that itch, you might like Tom saying, go law enforcement for a few years. See if there's something that you want to do as a career. If it is stay and you can do a bunch of different task force. If you try to, if you, if your agency has it. And if not, um, you can always have that route to go to marshals, to go to the DEA, to go to whatever the fuck you want to do. Um, but I think it'll only help you instead of hinder you um, unless you get into some major beef and it ruins your chances. There's always that chance too. Yeah. So, so hope that answers your question. Not confuse me. <laughs> so we yeah, have the next one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm a national um, and state certified emergency medical technician in Pennsylvania. I was wondering if you guys had any advice on how to move past death. As last year in September, I faced my first cardiac arrest, and unfortunately, the patient didn't make it. It's been over a year, and yet I still can't get it out of my mind to the point I sometimes can't think of anything else. Any help and advice would be greatly appreciated. Sincerely, Zach. I'm not going to go through last name just for operational security. Yeah. So... Um, I'll start off by saying like every time you're there to see another human being die, like not just go to a dead body, but there to see another human being die. It's tough and it'll stick with you. Right. It's not 
he's not going to leave. Um, I don't know how old you are, Zach. I don't know if this is the only one you've ever been to. Um, but it, you should, if you, if it's been a year and you're still, if, if it's still something that that's all you can think about, go, go see somebody right? Yeah, go talk to somebody. And I will say it this way. And this is, this is not to be demeaning or insulting, but you should go see somebody to start trying to process this for your own mental health, but also to help you figure out if this is something that is good for you and right for you. Like some people feel want you're right for, right. Cause some people want to do this job, but I, I tell you what, like it, it's not, it's not easy and it's not for everybody. No. Uh, and if it's going to destroy your mental well-being and your mental health and stuff like that, um, you just, I, I wouldn't, there's plenty of, there's plenty of examples to cite of alcoholism and burnout and suicide and depression in this job for people that could do it and could handle it, let alone for those who thought they could and couldn't. So I'm not saying you can't, I don't know you, I'm just saying that if you've had this one experience right. and it's still sticking with you this long, then it's, then it's not probably inherent in your nature to be able to move on from it. So then you should go and get the skills to move on from it, from a professional. Mm -hmm. And if a professional and you, when you're working through this stuff and learning those skills, if you guys make the determination that this is not the juice ain't worth the squeeze for you, then don't be afraid to get out, man. There's no, there's no shame in saying I love doing this, but it's not good for me mentally. That's, yeah. that would be my advice. And even law enforcement officers or agents or whatever, who've seen a lot of death, who have seen a lot of, who have dealt with a lot of shit and who've done a lot of things at some point, their glass gets full. So the whole career of a law enforcement officer or anyone in medical or anything like that who deals with death on a daily basis and a regular basis. And I say daily because if you work in a hospital, it's daily basis, like in the ER, like you're going to see people die every day. Um, most of the time, if you work in a heavy trauma center, um, there is a point where your body is done mentally. You're like, I can't fucking do it anymore. I can't mentally. I can't. And a lot of times we push past it for a very long time and it happens. And then it's knowing when you are at your limit and you've done everything possible to try to reduce that glass. It's having the mature, uh, maturity to be like, okay, I'm at that limit. I've done everything. It's not working for me. I need to call it quits. And I'm not saying you need to call it quits. I'm saying you need to do things just like Tom said, you need to do things to, to help reduce that glass because it seems like one cardiac arrest kind of put you at your limit. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I'm going to think of it. you as a train, a training, a training, a training, and I'm a training officer, right? That is probably one of the easiest deaths you'll ever fucking see. Mm -hmm. Cardiac arrest, unless you witnessed it and you just see them dead there, they had a cardiac arrest and they're just lying there peacefully dead. Those are probably some of the easiest ones. I've once been asked, how many dead bodies have I seen? I said, what, today, yesterday, this week? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or my career? Countless. My wife goes, I don't know how to how to answer. Like, she goes, ever? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you. I can tell you this week, five. And she was like, holy fuck, you've seen five dead people? I was like, yeah, overdoses. One dude bit his tongue off um, from an overdose, smashed up his face. The other guy got- People know, die all the time. Who the fuck do you think goes? Arm. You know, and they were all because of their heart stopped, heart attack, whatever, mm -hmm. because of the overdose. Um, 
I've seen people get shot. I've seen people with their chest cracked open, you know, because they're trying to bring them back and, you know, multi two uh, shooting, you know, murder where, you know, we tried to bring them back and it didn't work, you know, on a drive-by gang shooting. So it's like, those are pretty gruesome. And you look at those and you're like, fuck, those are bad. And there are some that stick with me. I had a kid die in my hands. Okay. That stuck with me for a long time. I still think about it, but I don't let it control me because I've found ways to process it. And the easiest way I find to process things is I talk to someone about it. Who's been through it. Right. Uh, I, I, I tell people how I'm feeling. Hey, you know, like kind of feel weird from this. Or like, Hey man, that's normal. You know, yeah. you just got to process it at your own rate. So just know that these feelings you're feeling are normal, but the way you process them, it's going to be on you. And it's dependent upon the person on how they deal with them and how their body deal with, deals with it and how their mental uh, psyche deals with it. Um, so it's going to be person by person basis. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm better than you or you're better than me or whatever, but you need to talk to someone who's been through it, who's seen the death, who's, who's dealt with it and how they move past it and what was easiest for them. And a lot of the times it's not just like a black and white answer because I don't have a black and white answer for you. Tom doesn't have a black and white answer for you, nope. but speaking and being open with it and about how you feel and knowing that other people feel the same way and know that, Hey, it is a cycle of life. This shit does happen. And sometimes you can't save everyone. I couldn't save the kid who died in my hands. And it fucked with me for about a couple of years. I'm not gonna lie. It fucked with me for about a couple of years, but I was still able to do my job and push on. And if you're still able to do the job and push on and you can talk to someone about it, it'll make things a lot easier and you'll be able to move past it. And then the next one will be a lot easier to deal with um, because death itself with normal people is very difficult to deal with. But at some point you get used to the death. You get used to seeing people dead. And some sometimes getting used to it's the hardest part because then you're used to it. So just you be aware of that. Crazy person. <clears throat> yeah. So let's, I'll I'll add this before we get to the last email. Um, personality and personality type are a real thing, right? We all know that, right? You have type A personalities. You have different. Like it's just a fact, right? Well, in the medical profession, um, and 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 kind of this is a roundabout way to talk about how you can find a place in a profession that matches your personality. Surgeons in the medical profession have a reputation for sharing many traits with psychopaths. And I don't mean psychopaths like people that you lock up that you have to understand the definition in psychology of psychopathy, right? Ruthlessness, emotionless, fearless, like lack of empathy. So psychopaths are capable of being ruthless. They're capable of being emotionless and they're capable of, they don't, they, they have very low fear threat. Like they're not afraid of shit. Those are traits that successful surgeons possess, right? Um, that if you look up psychopathy and surgery, you will see many, many articles written by medical professionals talking about how psychopaths make the best surgeons, not psychotics, but psychopaths, right? <laughs> so um, if you don't have that personality, you might not be able to withstand the pressure of having your fucking bare hand, not bare hands, your gloved hands in somebody's cracked open chest, holding their heart in your hand. You might freak out and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. You can't, you can't say that as a surgeon. You have to be like, I a hundred percent believe I'm doing this. Cause that's what I'm fucking trained to do. And I'm somebody's fucking heart. I'll, just do your job, right? That sort of compartmentalization, that sort of emotionless, cold, like ice water in your veins level, 
that doesn't, not everybody has that. In fact, I would say more people don't have it than do. So if, if you're going into the profession, you got to understand, does your personality fit? Um, and if it does, cool, then go get the skills to help yourself get through it. Let's, let's, I think that's probably the best way to sum it up, right? Yeah. And even guys like us, we've dealt with a lot of death. I've still talked to people about it. Yeah. When it's bothered me, I tried to shove it deep down inside, but it fucking finds a way to root itself back. And there yep. was a point where I wasn't sleeping and I was telling people about it and I was talking to them. Granted, there was a lot of other things at play, but just being able to talk to someone about it helped me night and day difference instantly. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And it was, it was a lot easier to process and, and, and move past it. Not forget about it, but move past it. Yeah. All right. This is uh, from a longtime listener. Uh, and those of you who don't know, it's Saint Anger. <laughs> He's a friend of the show. And he was asked by a, a friend of his, what are, what are you supposed to do when you get pulled over? He says, uh, my friend wanted to make the experience as safe and chill for everyone involved. I told them when I've gotten pulled over and what I was taught to do, but I thought it might be useful to get insight on it from the police point of view. I know y'all have talked about traffic stops from the cop side, but not from a civilian side, I don't think. Here's what I told my friend. Is there anything you guys can think I should do better or that was unnecessary? Uh, it says a few months ago, we got a speeding ticket for driving 82 and a 60. I had just spent two <laughs> hours on the interstate where the speed limit was 75, turned off onto a highway where the speed limit was 60, and it's just a straight road with divided lanes for 50 miles. I see a sheriff's vehicle with its lights behind me, so I pull over, uh, shift into neutral with the parking brake up, uh, get my license registration insurance on my lap before they walk up. I leave my glove compartment and center console open. I roll my windows down. I keep my hands on the wheel. Sheriff deputy's like, hey, why are you speeding? And I said I was trying not to, but it's a straight highway 50 miles with the divide lane. I was just in the interstate. He's like, okay, comes back, gives me a careless driving city ordinance instead of a speeding ticket and sends me on my way. Cool. Oh, that's cool. He gave you a little yeah, break. break. Wrote, you, wrote you a ticket, but wrote you the ordinance ticket instead of the, the state ticket, which is a big, big deal. Big deal, because if it's 25 miles hour, 25 miles over miles per hour over the speed limit, it's a different citation than just a straight speeding ticket. Yeah, at least in California. Yeah, in California, I'm only speaking of California, but yeah, like it's right. like reckless fucking driving. Like right, it's right. not good. It's, it's like bad. California has a special section for driving over a hundred. Like you catch somebody driving over hundred miles an hour, it's a very, it's a special. Like oh, here is your ticket for driving over one hundred miles per hour. Or hey, let me you hook can, you up and take you. Yeah, take you for reckless, jail. right? Anyway, yeah. uh, so I would I reading what you did, um. I'm going to tell you, Saint Anger. I, I don't think all that's necessary. It's a lot simpler than that, and this is what I wanted. Okay, so from the cops' point of view, this is what I wanted all of the people I stopped to do. Okay, number one, put your fucking hands on the steering wheel and leave them there. Period. End of story. Right? Don't go. Don't go getting your driver's license and your insurance and all that stuff ready. I don't care about waiting for you to get your driver's license registration and insurance out when I get up to the window. I care about seeing your hands. And if you're getting your license out, that means you're going to reach near your waistband. If you're getting your insurance and registration out, it means you're probably reaching over to your glove box. I don't want you going to either one of those places. Without me seeing. Right. I want to be standing right next to you where I can see your hands and I can say, okay, get your license and your registration and your insurance. Then you start to move. And I'm like, cool. But if you start to get that stuff before we meet, before we are friends, 
before I have gotten eyes on you and know what kind of a person you are. My assumption is that you are up to no good because waistbands and glove boxes hide guns. So first thing, put your hands on the steering wheel and just leave them there. Right. Second thing, you don't have to roll down all your windows. I don't give a shit. Right. You can leave your windows up until I get there. Uh, If you want to roll down your window before I get there, because you know, I'm going to come talk to you. That's fine. Just do it slowly and don't get all, don't make it look all suspicious. Like most people have power windows, hit the button once, put your hands back on the steering wheel. Okay. Um, and then just do exactly what we say. Be polite. Um, if you did it and you know, you did it. Don't argue. You know how many people, you know how many people I didn't give a ticket to because they passed what and now okay i was taught you got to decide whether you're going to give a ticket before you walk up to the window or not i don't agree with that and i didn't teach my trainees that what i say is the law has the spirit and the letter and some people need a warning right Mm -hmm. they need to be reminded of what the law is because when you meet them you realize this person would probably benefit from a warning and some good old fashioned, hey, do me a favor and slow down. <laughs> do me a favor, use your turn signal. Do me a favor, don't follow so close. Um, otherwise, the next time you're going to get a ticket. And they're like, absolutely, sir. It was my bad. Right. Other people, they're assholes and they're going to argue with you. And any parent will tell you when your kid apologizes and, and admits what they did wrong it's easier to realize you don't have to punish them as hard, but when they argue with you and deny it and tell you fuck off, Oh, you hammer them. Yeah, absolutely hammer them. And so that is how I determined whether or not I was going to write a ticket. You had to pass what we called the asshole test. (laughs) I've literally looked at people and said, do you want a warning? You want to take his ass chewing and get a warning? Or do you want to sit here and chip at me, piss me off Mm -hmm. and know that you did something wrong? but you're just going to fight me on it anyways. And then I'm just going to write you a ticket. So which one yep. do you want to go? A lot of times, like nine times out of 10, they change their tune, but sometimes they're like, well, fuck you. And I'm like, all right, well, like cool. registration. And then I start looking for more things. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to check your tires. I'm going to check this. I'm going to check that. I'm going to check this. Next thing you know, I come back with four fucking violations. And I'm like, there you go. Yep. So, and they sometimes it's you a lot. speeding ticket, but Hey, you weren't wearing your seatbelt and this and that. And the other thing, I didn't write you for anything except your, your seatbelt. I've seen a lot of the hug a thug, uh, like, non-biased policing bullshit and they're like well you should decide uh to write a ticket prior to coming up to the window before you can even tell race i'm like but race never plays a part in it like for me like i don't like why would i want well no because what if it's what if it's someone that could benefit from like you said from a spirit of the law instead of the letter you know there are people that benefit from spirit you know you tell them what Mm -hmm. you did wrong you're like oh fuck you know like somebody just got their license they don't want to get pulled over they fucked up they and they know they fucked up well, they would benefit more from spirit. If it's someone that you keep pulling over, letter of the law, because then you learn a lesson. But let me tell you something about um, uh, about how I would pull people over and write tickets. If it's during the daytime, you don't need to roll your windows down if I can see through them. If you have blacked out limo tent, it might be a good idea to roll the back windows down because I'm going to hit your back door and I'm going to tap on your on your glass. I'm going to pie. I'm going to sit behind the you know the the C pillar or the D pillar. Um, A B. D or D, whatever the C pillar. And I'm going to, I'm going to tap on your window and I'm going to tell you, roll your windows down because if I can't see, if I can't clear visually clear the inside of your car, I'm going to wait till I can visually clear it. And I'm going to have you roll your windows down. 
And then I'm going to visually clear it. And I'm going to walk up and talk to you because yeah, I don't want to walk past something that I haven't cleared. If I can clearly see in through your vehicle and you know, I can clearly, you don't really have to worry about bringing all the windows down. Yeah. But tent if you have makes people a difference. back there. Yeah. If you have people back there and it's blacked out tent, you might want to roll them down. Definitely roll down your window um, or the passenger window. Cause you never know which side we're going to approach on. And if we're partners, if I'm working a partner car, I'm going to, we're going to approach from both sides. So it's a good thing to have both of the front windows down. Um, but yeah, don't start reaching for shit prior. If you have your wallet already up on your lap because it's just in your center console, that's fine. Hold the steering wheel, put it in park. Um, don't keep, cause we can tell if your brake lights are on, like if it's in reverse or you're holding onto the brake, put mm-hmm. it in park, put the emergency brake Take on, your foot off the brake. let go yeah. of everything. Because there's a lot of times I won't approach. I'm like, Hey, put the car in park, put the car. Cause I don't know if I'm going to walk up and you're going to throw it in reverse and try to run my ass over. There's a lot of things just understand. And I think this is where a lot of cops that we get it wrong. We don't explain to the public traffic stops are the most dangerous thing that we do on our daily basis when we work because we don't know who we're approaching. There are countless times that we've approached uh, murder suspects that we didn't know yet were murder suspects because they were driving a car that didn't belong to them. And we ran the place that didn't pop back to them because they are driving a different car. When we ran them as a person, it came back, boom, felony wanted suspect for murder or fucking rape or robbery or you know, whatever burglary. And so we don't know who you are. You could be a violent felon. You could be um, a wanted suspect. We don't know. I don't know you. So know that when we are doing a traffic stop, that is the most uh, dangerous thing that we do on a daily basis, probably for the day. So know that our, our emotions are, everything is up here because they're heightened because we want to make sure that we go home safe at night. So to make it go smoothly, understand that and then understand, okay, if I was in that position, would I want someone to make this easier on me? Absolutely. So keep your hands on the steering wheel. Just be respectful. Mm-hmm. Don't motherfuck us. Um, and if we feel like you keep reaching for shit and you get pulled out of the car and handcuffed, we have every right to do so because if we don't know where you're reaching and we can't keep eyes on your hands because you keep reaching down, that's a furtive movement to somewhere that we know that people have hid guns before, hid weapons. And there's no fucking reason so we're to do pull it. You out. And then we're going to look. Yeah. See what was down there, you know, which is completely a okay. And we're probably going to handcuff you because we don't want you to, you know, reach for something that we haven't cleared. We don't know what's on your person. So just know that. And then, you know, be respectful, you hand hands on the wheel. And then before you reach for something like, Hey, license registration, you know, and you go, okay, my license is in my pocket. My registration is over here. I, I'm pretty sure, but it might be over here. Can I reach for it? Yeah, go for it. Reach for it. And I'm going to watch. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my flashlight if it's at night. Um, I'm going to visually look at it during the daytime. I might even still use my flashlight during the daytime because it's a black box. And a lot of times the lights don't work or it's blocked. Um, but ask before and then we'll tell you to move. And you move and mm-hmm. you grab it and it goes smoothly and you hand it to us. And then we go, hey, just keep your hands up on the steering wheel. I'm going to go back to my unit. I'm going to run you. I'm going to go through it like that, yada, yada. And then you come back. And if you've been cool, there's a good chance you might get a warning. But there's always a chance that you're going to get a ticket. If you get pulled over by a motor, you're getting don't be a, a dick. You're probably going to get a ticket. Know that you're going to get a ticket. Same thing as a highway patrolman. That's their job. However, That's what they're supposed to do all day. Yeah. But however, if you are nice, they will give you a better break than if you are being a dick because yep. there are many things that they can write for. They are just trying yep. to, you know, hit their goal for the day, not quota because there is zero quotas. It's the goal. No, but they have a job they to have. do. Exactly. And, and, and it's called traffic enforcement. Yeah. I will add to that um this analogy and i just thought of this while we were talking um but maybe this will help people understand if you got a job 
right? And your job, let's just say you you went to work for a construction company and you're a general laborer, right? And like, okay, we're putting in this housing development, right? In this whole area. And your job for the next six months is going to be to go acre by acre by acre. And in every acre, there is all these rocks. And we need you to lift the rocks up and clear out the snakes. We have no idea if it's going to be a king snake, gardener snake, rattlesnake, bull snake. We have no idea. We just know it's there's tons of snakes. And this area's got rattlesnakes in it. We know there's got rattlesnakes in it. Um, I can't tell you which ones they like to hide under. I don't know where they're going to be. They could literally be under any rock. How would you do your job lifting rocks up? Would you do it as safe as humanly possible? Would you wear gloves? Would you get a tool to lift the rock up so you could do it at a distance? Would you approach calmly? Would you listen to see if you could hear a rattle before you lifted the rock? Would you do all those things to 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 make sure that when you did finally lift that rock, you didn't scare some fucking giant rat rattlesnake that lip, leapt out, bit you, and kill kills you, or gives you blood poisoning, or or takes your fingers off, or like, would you, or would you just willy nilly with your bare hands rip rocks out of the ground? No, you probably wouldn't, because you never know where that fucking rattlesnake is. Well, that's the job of stopping cars. All the cars look the same to us and you never know which one's got a fucking rattlesnake in it. Right. Yep. Anyway. And there's that, that common analogy. You got to turn rocks over to, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I don't think, man, that was, we took us a while to get through those emails. I don't think Mm -hmm. we have time to cover those other topics today. Um, We were going to talk about a video that's on our Instagram. If you guys want to go there and watch it, we'll, we'll probably talk about it on a future episode. We can do that um, for a debrief. I mean, because that's a yeah, good yeah. debrief. Because that's a good, that's a good freaking one to look at. <clears throat> there's, there's another one that I wanted to talk about too. Because, um, you know, far be it for the Los Angeles Police Department to stay out of the news for very long. Uh, there's a video circling circ- around the media right now of um, the what is it of cousin of the founder of Black Lives Matter. I think it is the founder of Black Lives Matter's cousin getting pulled over by a LAPD motor and then <coughs> subsequently resisting getting tased and dying. Oh fuck. Yeah. So w- that just came out in the news. Um, I watched the video. We'll, we'll talk about, I think those, the, the video we have on Instagram of the officer involved shooting with the, the suspect is a good way to then lead us into the discussion on this motor officer stopping this black lives. Cause when you watch both videos, you see some very, very strong parallels at the well, let's beginning. Post that video. Yeah. Yeah. With non-compliance and stuff like that. It, it, we'll, we'll find it and we'll, we'll post that as well. Um, yeah. but that's one of the things we want to talk about. And then the other thing we're going to talk about, and I think we could probably spend like two minutes here as we're closing out. Cause we're not, we don't have a guest. We don't have a dedication. Out. Do I have a dedication? We don't think we have a dedication. No, we we're just doing no emails dedication. this week. So, since we're just doing emails, we're, we weren't doing a dedication. So, we'll like we'll use our dedication time to talk about this news story about Laverne P, Laverne PD. I think it is female cop and three or four other male cops are all fired at the same time for boinking each other. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Yeah. So, right. Everybody's like, "Oh my god." What? What I the think, hell? I, th- I think where they where they they got into the firing was because 
um, they were doing it on company time. And well, LA County Sheriff just had two people accidentally key the mic doing the hippity dippity inside a police car. (laughs) I've seen it to where two coppers kind of cheating on their their significant others, Mm -hmm. their boyfriend, girlfriends, whatever. And they got down into a car and only one of them got fired. The other one got put into a unit um, and then subsequently promoted. Mm, I, I'm I'm going to make a gender guess on that one, but I don't want to be unpopular. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I had a partner who got accused of him and his wife doing the hippity dippity in the back of a police car while on duty. And it was his wife. She was not a cop, but she worked for the sheriff's department. And uh, he was a bigger football playing looking dude. And his wife was a thicker gal. And he just looked at his sergeant when his sergeant says, hey, you know, this complaint came in. I want to talk to you about it. And he goes, uh, look at me. Look at my wife. There's no fucking way we could fit in the back of the police car together, let alone lay down and do the hippity dippity. Are you serious? And that was kind of the end of it. They're like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, um, like, dude, this, it's it's no not. Way. It is not. There's a cop that just is is getting tried for rape because he was a serial rapist. He was going and and. Uh, blackmailing women and saying, you know, I'm going to come back and sleep with you and you're going to, you're going to, you know, you and I are going to have sex on the regular He's doing with multiple women or you're going to go to jail. You know, like this job is not without its complete scumbag douchebag a-holes. Um, and it's not uncommon for relationships to develop among people in the, that work that closely together, right? You work that closely together I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying shit happens sometimes. And this is a lot more common than you think. There was a shooting with the LA County fire department where a firefighter showed up at the station. We talked about it on this show, showed up at the station with a gun and blasted another firefighter for sleeping with his wife. It It's not completely out of the realm. Uh, like it's, it's something we see like enough that. to where we're like, Oh yeah. It happened again. I worked the case. It was like that. It was bad. Mm-hmm bad um i was but did you were you told about the three b's when you started this job booze bitches and booze bitches and uh bills Bills. pay your bills don't yeah uh, not like that but yeah 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 Yeah. booze bitches and bills those are the three things in the police job that'll most commonly get you fired yeah and look like if you and i i worked with some kids who were young and they're like man i can't wait till you know i'm off training and i'm gonna fucking just bang bitches and i'm like whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. slow one's down yeah one's at the station and he goes yeah mm-hmm. i'm like don't no fucking don't that's a no. good way to get a beef good way to get fired yep. i was like you don't want to shit where you eat dude don't bang I was the like dispatchers. yeah there might be some hot cops you might find that one and you might marry that one that happens coppers marrying coppers happen coppers we know a coppers good friend of the show happened don't and do it God bless at them. fucking work but right don't don't screw people where you work, you work. it happens don't all the fucking time dip but don't your let it pen be. in company ink yeah period and if you guys meet outside of work and you're and it has nothing to do with work and it's all outside of work okay that's different don't let it bleed into work whatever you do remain professional at work because that will protect you if something comes down the pipe down down the road and that person tries to accuse you because you guys break up they're not ready to yep. break up and you get a beef you're like whoa, whoa yeah, we did it, but everything was, you know, there was nothing that ever happened at work. Everything was professional. I made sure we made that. I wrote it down. I have transcript of it through text that I saved. You know, there was, you know, you have evidence and proof because you always have to think I might get screwed later if I'm going to be dating someone who's at the station, who's at 
my department, you know, yeah. and if you work a big agency and you work different opposite ends of, of the division or the city or whatever, and you guys don't come in contact with each other on a daily basis, it's a lot more difficult to, to prove that. But if you're working close hand in hand, same watch, same shift, wherever you guys are at, however you guys call it, you are a lot more likely to have some sort of beef happen against you. So just know, and if you are in a love triangle with four <laughs> fucking dudes, and you're all like, that's the guys, love square. This the is love ridiculous. Pentagon. Guys, stop it. <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen coppers fight over female officers. Like, I want to work. Uh, I'm like, you guys are fucking no, gross. no. Stop it. And stop. And like, ladies, ladies, knock it off. The same. Yes, knock it off. Stop. Stop pulling the train. You, you're not doing yourself any favors because women are just as complicit as the men. Yeah, I've seen dirty talk from fucking mm-hmm. females, and you're like, whoa. And and let me tell you, like, I'm not saying it's their fault. It's no, it, it. Everybody involved is at fault, right? But women have a power that men don't have, right? They always say uh, women need a reason to have sex. Men just need a place, right? So if you're the female officer, you have more control over that situation than the males in a lot of ways. Because all you have, if you give anybody even the hint of it's okay, he's they're gonna chase you like like it's just gonna happen. You're gonna have a like a a pack of wild dogs chasing you like you're a rabbit wearing a ham jacket. You know, and, it's yeah. And for the men, don't be so fucking thirsty, dude. You can wait yeah. 10 hours, 12 hours out. to get off. Shift oh, and stay and away from bunnies. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. just, Oh fuck. I see some of these dudes making these, these mistakes that you're like, Oh, rookies make these mistakes. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, okay, look, yeah. She might be, beautiful okay and if things work but if she's talking to multiple different dudes it's not the girl for you okay yeah um if she's beautiful and you know she's the only one talking to you and you guys kind of hit it off at work with a friendly relationship partnership and then you're like outside of work you're like hey want to catch a bite that's different that's totally different than doing weird shit on on duty but just know that it could blow up in your face so try not to date where you work that goes for any job field that you're in fire department police department if you're uh, working the same car, services department. get a new partner. If you're working the same shift, switch shifts. If you're working the same station, switch stations. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Do okay. Switch stations. Right. Make it easier. Protect mm-hmm. yourself. And if you're at a station, you're like, well, I only we only have one station in one area. Don't fucking do it then. Don't, don't, don't fucking do it. Don't if do you it. have seven officers who work for your department, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Find someone else. Not to mention the fact it's not good for your relationship because you'll never see each other because you, you're going to be working different shifts. Exactly. And yeah. And what yeah. happens when you piss that chick off? Mm. Or that girl pisses that guy off? Mm. Guess what? Now, for however many years you're stuck at that agency, you and the other seven people are all going to feel it and make it awkward because you're such a small agency. Mm. So. All right. Well, <laughs> I think that about covers it. Um, we will come back again next week with another episode so until our next episode come home with your shield or on it